Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, hello there and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, delighted to have you on board. And we have with us our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, and we welcome on our WellMed Radio hotline, Dr. Paul Costomo. He is a physician at the WellMed Clinic at Kenwood in St. Petersburg, Florida, earned his medical degree at the University of South Florida in Tampa, completed his residency at Bayfront Medical Center in St. Petersburg, Florida, and he's board certified in family medicine. And uh, Dr. Costomo, welcome so much to WellMed Radio. Dr. Charles and I are delighted to have you on board. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I know one of the things you wanted to talk about are immunizations, uh, vaccines that WellMed patients uh, should take, should certainly consider taking. Uh, and, and there's more than just COVID-19, right? Yes, that's obviously the biggest uh, 10 news stories uh, in the last year. But yes, there's a number of uh, vaccine preventable illnesses that uh our patients should be aware of and and uh, take advantage of the uh, way to prevent uh, serious illness. Uh, and I like that phrase, Dr. Charles, vaccine preventable illnesses. Absolutely. Well, that is what it's about, trying to prevent um, illnesses that, you know, that can be prevented with vaccines. And we have several vaccines that are um recommended in our uh, in our age population, which is in you know my case, and I think Dr. Costomo as well is that 65 plus Medicare age patient population. So Dr. Costomo, what, what are we talking about if we could go through each one and describe what it does for us? Okay. Um, well, probably one of the ones that uh, everyone knows about has been around forever is a tetanus shot. Um, a tetanus shot actually has a, a vaccine for three different organisms. Uh, the first is tetanus, which is usually caused by a puncture wound in the extremities, especially in contact with soil. And the spore of the Clostridium tetani bacteria gets in the skin. It can grow. It produces a toxin and can cause clinical tetanus or lockjaw. And a tetanus shot should be received every 10 years. The other benefits is it also has a vaccine for diphtheria or whooping cough, which is mostly known as a childhood illness, but in older adults, especially with pulmonary disease or immunocompromised status, can cause a really nasty cough for several weeks that just won't go away. But I know that in some instances where anti-vaxxers are not vaccinating their kids, there's been a resurgence of whooping cough. Yes, and then whooping cough or uh, pertussis is the most serious uh, of these three and most common. And... uh, you know, there's now a big push that whenever someone has a baby, that all the family members, extended family, who's going to be around that baby, uh, receive their tetanus booster to make sure that you don't bring, uh, especially whooping cough or pertussis to the newborn baby. Uh, so that's a real key that many pediatricians are really making sure that the, the uh, parents are aware of it. Uh, so I've been giving a lot more tetanus shots lately because of that, because nobody wants to be the one that gets their grandchild in the hospital. Yeah, that that's not just for the people who refuse to vaccinate. You know, all infants are at risk with for the pertussis, and they do receive vaccinations if the parents, you know, do that. 
for the whooping cough, but they will not be fully vaccinated until they're a year old. So yeah. that whole first year, they're susceptible. And that's why it's so vitally important for everybody else around them to be um, vaccinated. So we kind of cocoon the baby um, and protect it from being exposed to people that might have that pertussis bacteria. I, I was going to say that's one of those great questions. If you have a puncture wound, you go to the doctor, uh, maybe you go to a uh, doc in a box, a freestanding clinic because it's a weekend uh, and your clinic's not open, although some Wellman clinics are open weekends now. Mm-hmm. You go in there and they say, when was your last tetanus shot? Nobody can remember. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, now, it's in my Wellman records, right? I'm sure, right? Yes. So it should be redone every 10 years. If you're not sure, there's not really a a downside to getting one if it's less than 10 years, unless you're allergic to it. And most people would certainly remember getting a vaccine and having a a significant allergic reaction, breaking out in the hives. Um, So the the risk is minimal with with, uh, getting a tetanus shot, even if you don't need it or can't document that you've had it. So tetanus would be high on that list of vaccines we we should have, must have, what would be next? Uh, And then obviously uh, the most common uh, respiratory seasonal illness of influenza uh, before uh, SARS and MERS and COVID, uh, influenza has always been the biggest respiratory seasonal scourge. And certainly our patients who are over 65, anyone who uh, is immunocompromised, uh, through medications, through poorly controlled diabetes, uh, if you don't have a spleen, if you have chronic liver or kidney disease, um, they're at much higher risk of getting the complications of influenza, pneumonia, uh, respiratory failure, and uh, sepsis. So a flu shot every year is certainly very highly recommended. If you just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, and our special guest, Dr. Paul Costamo, and you find Dr. Costamo, I'll get it right, Costamo, at the <laughs> WellMed Clinic in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. So I was just going to mention go ahead. Um, what, like the time of year that the influenza vaccine is the best. Yeah, usually the uh, best time would be early fall, which, you know, here in Florida, you know, fall doesn't really get here till probably late November, but generally uh, September, early October is the best time to get the influenza vaccine uh, here in Florida, influenza is rarely epidemic before December 1st, certainly in more colder climates, that uh, tend to start a little bit earlier, and it can last through April. So uh, September, the first two weeks of October is probably ideal. It's much better to get it in August than not to get it till it's too late. Is it a conflict at all with the COVID-19 vaccine? No, there doesn't seem to be any issues. Uh, you know, as far as uh, they're both respiratory viruses, but um, there's no cross immunogenicity. Being vaccinated with one doesn't help you or hurt you with the other. So put flu vaccine on the top of that list as well. Uh, and, and I think because, uh, although that seems to be an issue now, mask wearing uh, over the past couple of years has reduced influenza incidents in the U.S., yeah, it's amazing. If you're trying to prevent one respiratory virus with masks and distancing, you prevent other respiratory viruses. So, uh, yes, uh, it was uh, actually very nice to see that, to show that uh, taking precautions really does make a difference and that influenza, especially here in Florida, we had very little influenza this year. We only made two diagnoses in my clinic this past flu season, and 
you know, normally were 50, 60, 70 and above that actually came in and were diagnosed. And obviously many more had it and didn't come in. Somebody should share that information widely with political leaders in certain states. Yes. And Florida, we're one of them. Our governor is not letting uh, schools uh, mandate masks. So it's, uh, it's a big, a big issue politically. And um, I guess uh, everything boils down to some sort of psychosocial aspect of life. But the science says that uh, these vaccines are very safe. They're very effective. And also social distancing, uh, wearing masks um, is also very helpful at reducing the incidence of uh, severe disease and death. What else is on our vaccine list for people Medicare eligible? Uh, Then there's the uh, pneumonia vaccines. The most common cause of bacterial pneumonia is a bacteria called Streptococcus pneumoniae. And there's actually two uh, vaccines for that. One is the Pneumovax, which has uh, been around forever, or the uh, PSV23, it covers 23 strains of the bacteria. And the newer one is the Prevnar 13, which covers 13 different strains of the bacteria. So you need and both shots. Guideline, yes, so it's two different shots. And it's recommended in people over 65 to get them one year apart. So you can get... Uh, one of them, and then 12 months later, get the second. Um, there was some initial uh, thoughts that maybe getting the Prevnar first made a difference. Uh, most people, uh, if they had had one in the last uh, more than eight or 10 years ago, would have been the Pneumovax. So a lot of people have had the Pneumovax and then have gotten the Prevnar booster. And it doesn't seem to make that much of a difference, the order um, that you get them. Uh, the main thing is you should get both. Marissa, in your practice, uh, Dr. Charles, how compliant are your patients uh, to get those vaccines? You know, there's there's definitely a population of patients that are a little more resistant. Um, the one that I find more patients resistant to um, in the past had been the flu vaccine, where so many patients would say, oh, I got that one year and it made me sick. Um, we know that the influenza vaccine does not contain any live virus. So you can't get the flu from the influenza vaccine, but there certainly is the possibility of having symptoms, you know, sometimes for several days after having the vaccine um, to include mild temperatures, chills, body aches, um, similar to the COVID vaccine as well. So, um, and, you know, so that's one that I have, you know, a group of patients that is resistant uh, to getting that particular vaccine. We're still encouraging it and we're still trying to, um, encourage patients to to go ahead and get the vaccine. Sometimes it was a coincidence that they were exposed to something else and were going to get sick anyway, and it just happened that way. But it is something that we um, that we struggle with trying to convince folks. Um, I have seen a very small group of patients that's that has been resistant to getting the coronavirus vaccine. I find most of my patients have been compliant with getting that one. Um, but, you know, we still have, you know, small groups of patients that are difficult to convince. Wow. And in your case, Dr. Costomo? Yes, I see the same thing. Uh, influenza, uh, you know, if we gave the flu shot here at the start of summer, people would say it causes heat stroke and sunburn. But because we <laughs> give it during the start of the cold and flu season, you can get any number of hundreds of different respiratory viruses, and then they blame the flu shot. And then the COVID vaccine, I would say, a very good number of patients, I don't have the exact statistics, um, uh, have gotten the COVID vaccine, but I have 
a handful of patients who are fervent anti-vaxxers and, um, you know, uh, I, I haven't found uh, a way to convince them because, again, it has more to do with their political, social beliefs than science. Well, just make sure their end-of-life forms are filled out. <laughs> yeah, we, we actually uh, said that, that, you know, if, if you're not going to be vaccinated, at least have your advanced directive so your loved ones know what to do. Exactly. And a couple of patients were kind of caught off guard by that and at least made them think a little bit. I mean, it's a pretty sad state that we're in, but it's true. Stay with us. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron with our co-host, Dr. Maurice Charles. We're talking with Dr. Paul Costomo. You find him at the WellMed at Kenwood in St. Petersburg Clinic, and we're delighted to have him on board. We're talking about vaccines and what we as especially seniors, if you're 65 and over, ought to think about. And if you're under that age or a caretaker, uh, remember, we're talking about saving people's lives, and that's what this is all about. You're listening to WellMed Radio. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number, and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. But with all the attention being paid to the COVID-19 vaccine, we tend to overlook that there are several vaccines for people, especially age 65 and over, that you should have in order to prolong your life and protect your coming down with very serious illness. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, and we're talking with WellMed physician in St. Petersburg, Florida, Dr. Paul Costomo, who is at the WellMed at Kenwood Clinic, and we've been going through a list of vaccines that seniors especially should consider. You were talking about the uh, pneumonia vaccine. uh, And I know that in many cases, those who come down with COVID-19 often end up with serious cases of pneumonia. Are are those different than what would be protected by those pneumonia vaccines? It can be. Um, COVID or respiratory viruses certainly can cause a viral pneumonia. That's pretty common. Uh, but some patients can also get a secondary bacterial infection. So uh, the uh, Pneumovax and the Prevnar help prevent the Streptococcus pneumoniae bacterial infection, which is one of the more common uh, causes of a secondary infection. So your body and your lungs are weakened by having a virus, and it makes you more susceptible to the bacteria that you can have in the back of your nose and throat uh, and get down into the airways, into the lungs, and cause a secondary pneumonia. And obviously, in that situation, you tend to be a lot sicker because you're already fighting one pneumonia, and now you've got another. So uh, that can help prevent that. There's several other bacteria that are fairly common causes of bacterial pneumonia that we don't have vaccines for. And 
I'm not aware that we're going to have anything anytime soon, but pneumococcal pneumonia is about 30% of all uh, bacterial pneumonias. And if you receive the Prevnar and the Pneumovax, uh, it will reduce your risk of uh, uh, hospitalization and dying from pneumonia and sepsis, which is a blood infection, um, by about 30%. So that is a pretty big uh, reduction with just getting two shots in your lifetime. Sepsis is not something you want. No. Uh, bacteria in your bloodstream is about as serious as it gets. Uh, about the only thing that would be worse is, you know, meningitis or bacteria floating around the fluid around your brain. Um, those would wow. be the two uh, most serious uh, common in bacterial infections you could have. Obviously, there's dreaded things like flesh-eating bacteria, and, but those fortunately are not that common, even though it, it is, does make the news. It's really not nearly as common as uh, sepsis and uh, meningitis can be. Now, there is a vaccine for meningitis? Uh, yes, uh, it's for the uh, Neisseria meningitides. There's two vaccines for that. Um, those are infections that are seen much more in children and teenagers, as well as people under the age of 25 in confined spaces like college dorms, military recruits, uh, those kind of settings. So it's recommended that they be uh, children and teenagers be vaccinated um, for the meningitis type B, as well as the non-typable meningitis. If we're talking about patients that are 65 and older, um, if you were going to be traveling to places like the rainforests of Africa and rainforests in Asia, um, you can catch uh, Neisseria meningitis meningitis in those areas. Um, so usually that would be something that would come up uh, if you looked up uh, where you were traveling on the CDC website and would have recommended vaccines, and that could be at any age. Um, but those aren't typically unless you're going to be traveling to one of those areas. And then let's talk about uh, some of the other vaccines that you recommend uh, for seniors. Okay. Uh, one of the ones that's rarely a cause of death, but certainly a severe problem with pain and disability would be shingles. Uh, one third of people will get shingles in their lifetime. And shingles occurs when the chickenpox virus, which most of us, at least people my age, had when we were a kid. And the virus can live in the dorsal root ganglia of the nerve. And then for reasons uh, related probably to immune surveillance, uh, stress, um, the uh, virus can reproduce in the nerves and then uh, come out along the pattern of one nerve, whether that's on your arm, leg, torso, side of your face. Uh, and since the virus is multiplying in the nerve and pops out on the skin, it is extremely painful. And we don't know what you mentioned stress. Uh, that would be the major uh, trigger to bring it back. To right. trigger shingles. Either Physical stress, you know, people who are not getting enough rest, eating poorly, um, often associated with also uh, emotional stress. You know, people who are caring for a sick loved one, um, someone who's had, you know, financial issues. A lot of times those things are a trigger. Also, people who uh, would receive chemotherapy, obviously that's going to severely limit your immune system. Wow. Now, there, people are there was an older. is another cause. There was an older shingle shot, which I had, and then a try and say shingle shot very fast, and then a newer one that I've had. <laughs> do they still give the old one, or do they stick with the new one? Um, the CDC recommends the newer one, which is the Shingrix. 
uh, and that's a two-shot series. Uh, the Zostavax uh, is not as uh, protective. The advantage of it is that it was one shot, but two shots of the Zostrix is significantly better than uh, one shot of the Zostrix. So some people will say, well, I'd rather get the old one because it's one, but I tell them, you know, you don't get a vaccine because it's convenient. You get a vaccine to prevent an illness or even death. So uh, being slightly inconvenienced to get a two-shot series that uh, greatly reduces your risk of getting shingles uh, seems like a small price to pay than the convenience of just getting one shot. Well, I'd sure agree with that. And then, uh, Dr. Charles, have we missed any? Well, we did. Well, we haven't really talked about the COVID vaccine, but we've talked <laughs> about pretty much do. everything else, I think. Yeah. So, so Dr. Costamo, uh, talk to us about the COVID vaccine. I've had it. Uh, Charles has had it. I'm assuming you have had it. Uh, and, yes. and yet in your state, in Florida, and in many places in Texas, there's huge resistance. Uh, and if you track the numbers of the illnesses and deaths, it's the unvaccinated. Yeah, the uh, interesting thing and very fortunate thing is that, you know, if you do get uh, complete your series of COVID vaccinations, you, re- you reduce your risk of dying from COVID by like 97% and you reduce your risk of being in the hospital by 95%. Uh, and then I've actually seen little things where people have said, well, the vaccine is 100%. It's not perfect. Well, I don't know of anything made by man that's perfect. So if you can get 95 and 97%, uh, that is to me strikingly good. Uh, so that in our state, um, being vaccinated tremendously reduces your risk of getting severe disease, tremendously reduces your risk of being in the ICU, being on a ventilator, and reduces by 97% your chance of dying from COVID. So I think those are pretty amazing statistics. And talk to us, Dr. Charles, about what it's like being on a ventilator and how that may affect the rest of your life. So I have had a few patients that um, were that have had pretty severe cases of COVID. Now we know that with COVID, a lot of patients, if they end up on the ventilator, they don't do well and often don't survive um, despite our best efforts. I have had a few patients um, that, I had one patient in particular that was on the vent for nearly two months. And um, she was in her 40s um, from COVID, was on the vent for nearly two months, and then has been recovering slowly, but her life is completely different now. She's still on oxygen. Um, So her... So she's just needing a lot more help. So she was very independent prior to the episode of COVID. And now she's walking with a walker. She's got her little oxygen that she has to use, but she's alive and she's still improving. So, you know, we count our blessings there, but it's just such a a, a big change for her with her level of independence, with, um, you know, just being able to breathe normally. Now, sometimes you have to be on a ventilator for, say, a surgery or an acute situation. That's very different from what we're seeing with the COVID, because in a lot of those cases, um, you're on the ventilator for a short period of time and you recover. But with COVID, the assault on the lungs is so significant and the ability to oxygenate um, is so poor when you've got a, a fulminant infection. Wow. That it's um, that the recoveries that we're seeing are a lot more difficult. So I've seen a few patients also that have ended up with a, a tracheostomy. So um, because they, you know, having the the tube physically down your mouth is so very uncomfortable. 
um, if you're able to be alert and awake, often they will switch you from an, the, the tube down your throat to a tracheostomy, which is a hole in your trachea. Um, but that at least allows you to, to talk, maybe to drink a little bit um, and while still having the support from the ventilator. So it's so pumping it's, it's oxygen through your throat. Right, right, right wow. into your lungs yes. um, through your throat. Wow. And as you go through all this, Dr. Costamo, you, you said you do have uh, patients who are vaccine resistant. Uh, yes. Do they see the light when you lay all this out? Uh, I would say some of them do. Uh, I, I still have some who literally, you know, don't even talk to me, doc. I'm not going to listen. Uh, you know, I know you get that propaganda from the big pharma and the government, but no one's going to tell me what to do. There's really not much you can do for those people other than tell them, well, you, you know, here's some information and this is what I believe about the vaccine. And, you know, the statistics from the state of Florida and the very strong uh, anti-mask governor, his health department is saying, you know, you have a 97% less likely chance of dying from COVID if you get the vaccine. So I've had a couple of people that, that that made a big difference with them. Wow. I got to stop you right there. We're flat out of time, Dr. Paul Costumo with the uh, Wellman Clinic at Kenwood in St. Petersburg, Florida. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you for having me. For Dr. Maurice Charles, I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you all for joining us today on Wellman Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.